You're listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast, episode number 18. Welcome to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast. I'm Jennifer Schreckengost. I consider myself a healthy-ish foodie, a wanderlust junkie, a coffee connoisseur, and an e-learning expert, and your host for the next hour or so. So pull up a seat, grab a cup of coffee, and come listen to conversations with real people who are all learning how to eat well, live well, and travel often. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So today I have, I am talking with Cindy Nicholson from The Course Whisperer. Isn't that an awesome name? So Cindy is joining us today for a Live Well episode, and we're going to dive into how to get started creating your first online course. Cindy actually started out teaching high school math and phys ed, but she quickly realized that while she enjoyed teaching, she didn't really enjoy the subject matter. And so she then later moved into corporate training and then quickly realized through her work there that she had a passion for helping others create quality online training and course materials. So Cindy now helps entrepreneurs who are ready to expand their business with online courses and helps walk them through the course creation process, helping them create a quality course they can be proud of. So let's jump right into this conversation all about creating online courses with Cindy. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. We have Cindy Nicholson with us today. Welcome to the podcast, Cindy. Hello there. Thank you very much. Awesome. Cindy is joining us today for a Live Well episode, and we're going to dive into how to get started uh, creating your first online course. But before we dive into that topic, why don't you tell the, uh, the listeners a little bit about your backstory and your experience with you know, online learning, online course creation, and how you got to where you're at today? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, I started out as a high school teacher way back when actually even when I was in high school I thought I wanted to be a teacher wanted to be in education and I started out as a high school teacher and I loved the teaching but I didn't love what I was teaching so Mm -hmm. I actually completely left the high school or left teaching and um, went back to study financial planning well that's a difference financial planner But while I was in the role, I found my way back to teaching again and became a corporate trainer of financial advisors. So Uh throughout my career, like I've kind of always made my way back to training and education. I left the corporate role and actually went back to school to study nutrition, of all things. And while I was planning on building a business around nutrition, I found the people that I was working with in programs and everything, I kept helping them on the courses that they were creating. Awesome. And, uh, I remember having a conversation with somebody. I was kind of helping her put together some accounting course. And I got off the phone with her and I was like, wow, that was fun. And then I'm like, wow, I have a skill set here where I can help people put their content together. Like these people are geniuses at what they do, which kind of is tricky when you're actually trying to put a course together. It is, yes. How do you translate all of that information in your head into a course that makes sense for somebody learning it for the first time? Mm -hmm. So at the time I was a nutritionist thinking I was going to build a business online But the more and more I started connecting people and helping them with their content, I thought, you know what, maybe instead of me um, pursuing the nutrition, I actually pursue helping other people create online courses. It's 
education and training has always kind of been been a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I decided to kind of now help entrepreneurs that um, want to kind of get the genius of the, out of their head and create some court sort of course. Um, help them put it together so that it's a really good learning experience for their clients. Awesome. Awesome. You know, we kind of have a similar story there. And and I think what you just described is a typical like entrepreneurial journey, you know, like, you know, we ups and downs and we go this path and we backtrack, but I started out in education as well. Um, and, but I was at the the K-12 level. I taught fourth grade. Um, and then I decided like, I wanted to like expand and like, you know, like there's like, try something new. And so, um, then I went into educational technology sales for a very short, like less than a year, I think. And then I, and then I landed in higher education as an instructional designer. Um, but then I quickly, um, got moved into like, a, like you said, a training role where I basically trained their adjunct faculty, how to be teachers. Cause you know, in, in, you know, a lot of times in, in higher ed, you have, uh, instructors or faculty or professors that are experts in their field, but they don't have that teaching background. So I did a lot of training on that. Um, it seems like we're always like a magnet back into like the teaching training aspect. And then, and then I just continued. Um, then I got back into the curriculum side of things and, you know, worked with a curriculum, uh, for online university, um, for, for several years. And that's still, you know, that's still what I do. I'm not with the university anymore, but I'm actually with another company that helps, online, um, basically any university stand up online programs. So, right. Well, it's interesting because I mean, that's one of the things I struggled with being a high school teacher. You know, I was a high school phys ed and I was a high school math teacher and often, you know, so I'm teaching, you know, 14 year old girls, how to dribble, dribble a basketball. (laughs) And, you know, while that may be, you know, fun at the time, it wasn't helping them plan a healthy future. And so Uh that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why I kind of left teaching is because I didn't feel what I was teaching was going to have like long term impact on lifestyle. So that's where that whole corporate training and higher education, I think, helps kind of make the link as to how do you apply this, you know, for the rest of your life. Uh Uh-huh. Awesome. So do you, let me ask you this, um, this, this thought just came in my head. I know I've, I've been a part of a lot of conversations that are like, well, there's a difference between training and, um, teaching or training, you know, like online training, online learning, what difference between training somebody and teaching them something. What are your thoughts on that? I'm just throwing that out there. Well, one of the things that I kind of, you know, the difference I feel between teaching and training is that teaching is to enhance your knowledge. So you'll know more about a particular topic, whereas training is teaching somebody how to do something. Mm -hmm. So there's an actual change of behavior that you are going to be doing something differently today than what you will after you go through the course. Me, that's training Mm -hmm. as opposed to teaching where, you know, you take a subject on, you know, geography or history where you kind of have more information, you know more about the topic, but your behavior, you don't have a a particular outcome that's different in your life. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of one of the big things that I noticed between being a high school teacher and being a corporate trainer, like a corporate trainer, you really have to make sure that there's, you know, there's, it's outcome based, that there is, you know, a change in behavior. And and when it comes to creating online courses, 
you really want to make sure you have that focus, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that you are going to get some kind of change as opposed to, well, that was interesting because, you know, all of that information is available online nowadays, right? People can access all of that information. But if you want to take a course or, you know, um, have people sign up for your course, you, you're actually wanting them to, you know, have a different outcome to their life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. So what, what you do now is you basically, like you, you essentially work with entrepreneurs to, um, do they already, do they come to you with, uh, online courses already created? I have both. So people who just have an idea bouncing around in their head and they're like, how do, how do I actually convert this into a course? You know, I'm not a teacher. I don't know how to put all of this out here. I, I've got, I don't know how to organize my thoughts. So it may be right at the beginning stage or it also may be they've already created the course and they need just some feedback in terms of, you know, how to make it a better learning experience. Cause mm-hmm. one of the biggest um, people who have already created courses. One of the biggest things they come to me is like, okay, I think I've got too much information. <laughs> yes. That's usually the mistake, right? Yes. Yes. Want to add value. They want to wow their clients. And so the tendency is to throw as much information in there. So <laughs> they, after they get through creating it, they're like, um, I think I've uh, got too much here. So my, the support that I give then is how do we tease out all of the stuff that is extra and really kind of just focus on the steps that'll help them get the outcome that they're looking for. Yes. In my experience with working with both, um, say faculty in higher education, creating online courses or entrepreneurs is whenever you are an expert in your, in a topic of any topic, and you want to teach someone about it, like, and if that's your passion, like you want to tell them anything and everything about that topic. And like, they're like, we can't, we can't leave that out. They're like, that's, that's, that's crucial. Um, but what happens, like you said, is there's just so much information It's information overload. The students will just be completely overwhelmed. Um, and so, yes, there's, there's a, there's a method to the madness of still covering those key elements um, or key topics um, of the course w- and still achieving the outcomes that you want um, while not necessarily having to, you know, include a- anything and everything on the topic. And that's why it's good to get a second pair of eyes on something too, because especially if somebody is not as familiar with your topic, they can actually kind of say, okay, you're mi- maybe you're teaching your, your uh, you have your you're creating your course and you go a b and then you go to f yes so having somebody else take a look at the content to say help make sure that you fill in all of the steps but without kind of overloading with too much information you really you know in terms of creating an online course you want to get them the shortest distance between you know where they start and the end point and if you can get your clients in that as short a journey as possible, that's, that's actually better. You know, marketing, they talk about adding value and, oh, you know, <laughs> promise. Whereas online courses, it's almost the opposite. You yes. want to streamline it. You want to make sure it's nice and tight and you're only giving the information that's necessary to get them to what they want. Yes. And you, um, I, I'm glad you mentioned having um, not only a second set of eyes on the course, but maybe someone that isn't as familiar. Um, I always refer that refer to that as the expert blind spot. Like, you know, the, the content so well, and maybe if you, and, and, and because you've created the course, like, you know, it so well that you're just overlooking like some of those gaps. Um, and so it's, it's always helpful to have a second set of eyes. And if you can have someone that doesn't know the topic, because that blind spot that you had will, will be glaring to them. They'll be like, wait a minute. Like, what am I supposed to do? No, that doesn't make sense. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I was first starting out, people were like, why don't you help people who are in nutrition create their online courses? And, um, well, and, and while I help people, I have clients who I help with nutrition courses. It's almost, almost even better if I don't know a lot about the, Uh you know, so if I'm helping somebody with accounting or, um, leadership programs, like all of those things, I'm able to kind of you know, help them fill in the holes that they potentially miss, right? Because I, I totally agree, the whole curse of knowledge can, yes, can totally right. work against you when you're creating a course. Yes, yes. Well, okay, so let's talk about online courses. Um, if if I were to ask you, what are the key, when, or like, if you're looking at a, at a course that you're, you know, you're just, you're going to approach someone's course, what are the key elements that you look for in what I like to call a quality online course? So has the course already been created or they're at the beginning stage? Um, The the biggest, the biggest thing to be clear on is what is the outcome of the course? So how is their life going to be different? How are they going to behave differently after you're taking the course? How are they going to feel after taking your course? What's going to be different in their lives? So having a very clear outcome is so important with these mm-hmm. online courses. And so it needs to be, it needs to be relatively specific. It can't be, a, a, it's a leadership course or yes. you, know, it, it, you need to actually have a, a, a clear outcome that satisfies a pain point. <laughs> yes. And the pain point has to be big enough that people are willing to A, take the time to go through a course and B, pay for it. So, you know, when people are bringing me their course topics is what, you know, how big of a pain point is this for, for, that, for your audience? Would they be willing to take the time to go through a course and do they, you know, willing to pay for it? But the biggest and most important thing and always the starting point is what is the specific outcome that your clients are going to get? Mm-hmm. Once you know that outcome, then it's like, well, what are the steps do they need in order to get to that outcome? Not all of the, all, what are all of the, what's all the information they need to know? What are the actual yes. things they need to be able to do in order to get that outcome mm-hmm. and being clear on what it is that they need to be able to do. So those are, those are kind of the two things. And then my last one is to make sure that rather than it just being an information dump, you know, here's everything yes. you need to know about this. <laughs> it's, it's important that you have, especially because you're going to be um, working with adults, right? Give them mm-hmm. an opportunity to practice, you know, um, apply what you've just taught yes. them small about uh, small bites, right? Uh-huh. Not give them a 20 minute video and then have them go through a big long workbook, you know, kind of chunk it out and make sure that they have opportunity to apply and practice mm-hmm. what you're teaching them as you go through the course. So those are kind of some of the main things. Um, and then I guess finally is, is are those um, what are they able to take away from your course? So do you have any handouts or quick reference sheets that they can take post course mm-hmm. that kind of help them remember that work along the way? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you, you basically, you know, describe backwards design, which is kind of the, with that, that's the process that I follow. And I think a lot of instructional designers follow that. Um, but if you follow that path from you know, what is the very end result, the transformation, the change. And then, like you said, then, then what are the, then, then identify those other, you know, smaller like outcomes that 
or what do they need to be able to do um, in order to, you know, achieve that outcome. And then from there, you, you know, you build the rest. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that um, a lot of um, entrepreneurs or who, you know, people that are designing online courses that aren't familiar with the process is they do that in reverse. They just want to like create all the learning activities. And then when they go, what happens is they get to the end and then they realize that like, like, well, what are they, what are they going to like, what are the students that are taking this course going to like, you know, achieve at the end of this? And is everything that I just created going to like, is, is it mapped back basically to that, to that outcome? So yeah, yeah. they're often, they're often thinking, what do they need? Uh, if people are creating a course, they're often thinking, what do the clients need to know? Mm -hmm. and, and usually I kind of challenge that and say, no, no, let's think about it. What do they need to be able to do? And when you kind of think about it from that perspective, that helps kind of tease out all of that information dump and help you stay focused on, you know, the clear action steps that will help them get to their goal. Mm -hmm. And I love that you mentioned application. Um, I'm a bit, I'm a big advocate for real world application, especially not just at the end, but during, um, like give them opportunities to not just like, you know, process the information, but then like go apply it because I mean, that's, that's one of the key ways people learn. Um, if you just have a course where it's just like information dump, information dump, information dump, and they never actually, you know, take what you're the skill that you're teaching them or whatever and apply it, um, along the way, then, you know, like, like, how do you know they, how do they, how do you know they're walking away with being able to, you know, it's, it's almost a form of assessment informal, um, uh, throughout the course. Right. And, and it also helps build their confidence too. Like I just recently took a course myself and it's, it's not helpful. Like if you're an instructional designer taking <laughs> courses is really hard because you're constantly yes. evaluating them. Right. And so the, the course that I took most recently, um, the individual had these 20 minute long videos and then at the end he had his workbook. But by the time I finished the video, I couldn't remember what he was talking about for the beginning of the workbook. So I had to go back and stop it. And it just, it just didn't make for a really good learning experience. Uh -huh. And also, you know, some of the, some of the content I didn't even go back because it was just too much work for me yeah. uh, to learn it. And, and, and what, the goal is to make it as easy as possible for yes. your clients to learn it. And then they get these small wins along the way, which only encourages them to move forward. Because again, if that pain point's big enough um, and they've signed up for your course, if you're kind of taking them, you know, taking them through this journey and, you know, they're getting to point A, then B, then C, and they see the progress that they're making in themselves, that's really motivating. So it mm -hmm. helps them continue on in order to finish it too. Yes. Yes. And that's a good point. Not only do we want to focus on content, obviously, and the design, but also like thinking about the student experience, like you just mentioned, like, like what is the student's experience going to be like if they're sitting there watching a 20 minute video, um, you know, with a workbook. And then, um, that also goes against like my video. I always have like a video role of keep your videos I, I mean, everything, I am an advocate of everything in small chunks because I think it's, it's easier to process the information that way, but especially too. in videos. Like I'm a three to five minute max person because that is about all the attention span. Five minutes is even kind of pushing it in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and that's especially in nowadays people, especially again, try and think of what your audience and you know, who's going to be watching your content is like, they may not have 20 minutes. Like they may not come back to your 
they'd be like, okay, I got five minutes or I've got 15 yes. minutes to get through a particular module. I don't have time to go through a 20 minute module and then do the workbook after. So I'm just not going to get to it. And mm -hmm. then they, what ends up happening is they never get around to it. So if you kind of chunk it down, it helps with people being able to fill in bits and pieces because, you know, it's adult learners, right? So you yes. need to be thinking of the environment in which they're learning the content. It's different. Yes, absolutely. In the classroom, right? And yes. you're sitting there taking notes and you've got, you know, their, their attention at the front of the room. You kind of really need to be meet them where they are so that they have a better chance of finishing the content. Yes. And I would say if you have, if you're listening and you have an online course um, already and you have a low uh, percentage of students that are finishing your course, that's something to look at. Like go yeah. back and actually evaluate the student, the student experience of the course and see if maybe, you know, you know, where maybe where, where they're dropping off. Um, um, okay. So let me ask you this. Um, what are your thoughts on engagement in an online course? I know I mean, th there's lots of different um, conversations around engagement. How do you engage your students and do you need to keep them engaged? And, you know, with adult learners, that's a whole different, you know, learning style there. But what are your thoughts if, for entrepreneurs that are creating online courses of how to keep their learners engaged so that they do finish the course? Yeah, well, I think we probably talked about one of the one of the strategies, and again, it depends on whether or not you have a plan of being engaged. Uh -huh. with, you know, if it's a six-week program that you're taking them through and you're going to be with them through the journey and have some sort of, you know, Facebook group or what mm -hmm. have you. Um, but if it's an evergreen course where they are actually, um, um, you know, going through it on their own, the biggest strategy I would say is to keep it chunked down as mm -hmm. much as possible to kind of allow the small wins along the way. Um, and then a lot of the, you know, the, the membership sites or the, you know, the, the learning platforms provide the opportunity to kind of um, allow you to make comments on the content. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's all great. It totally depends on the learner though. You know, so yeah. for example, I'm not the one that would be making comments uh, at the end of videos, whereas other people love that and need that. So uh -huh. it's kind of about, you know, again, knowing your number one, knowing your audience. And if, yeah. if your audience, if that's, if that's how they like to learn, um, then having some element to engage in the content would be great or some sort of access to you. Or if that's not your audience, then it, it may not be necessary, but to have them finish it would be helpful to just have it chunked down and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or there, you know, obviously with any type of learning situation, you have multiple, multiple learners and multiple learning styles. So even having, um, almost like a, uh, will create your own adventure like path like if those that you know want the engagement they can go this you know avenue with the course and those that yeah. don't can go this avenue but we're all you know meeting at the same you know in 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 point so yeah i think what's important to kind of be mindful of is is because of all of the different types of learning styles is is to try and and a, a know your audience to know what kind of is predominant with the because different people, um, different groups of people might have a different way of learning, but just knowing your audience well enough so that, or, or sorry, what I was going to say is, is just because it's your particular learning style, right. don't yes. forget about other people's learning style. So for me, as I said, you know, I'm not one to make comments or whatever, but I, 
I totally recognize that other people absolutely need that as part of the mm -hmm. process to help them, you know, internalize the information. They need to kind of have, feel like there's a community around it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So let's talk about, um, and you're like, you've worked with multiple entrepreneurs and, you know, and, and in training, um, are online courses for everyone? In other words, can any entrepreneur that maybe wants to create an online course, you know, is this for everyone? In terms of can any entrepreneur create an online course or is any type of learner? Do you, uh, basically, well, let's do it two ways. Um, for, for just the individual, I mean, can anyone create an a quality online course? It's possible, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's one of those things where if there's a particular outcome and there's a pain point big enough, then, you know, the, the medium, um, it, it's absolutely possible nowadays. Uh-huh. What I find is I, um, in my conversations is a lot of people are hesitant because they don't feel they're qualified to do it because, you know, like when we, when we use the word course, we automatically tie it to education and they think, well, you know, I don't have an education background or any academic experience. I don't, you know, like I'm not qualified um, you know, to create a course, but essentially I think that, you know, anybody can create a quality online course that, you know, it just depends on having that right, that support network, um, kind of like what I do and what you do. Um, if you're in that stage where you're feeling like, you know, you, like you need some handholding is, you know, find that support network. But I think anybody can, can create a quality online course. You don't have to have that education background. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's interesting because I, I kind of liken what we do to an, a book editor. So uh -huh. you know, is, it, is it possible to write a book on your own and publish it on your own? Absolutely. But if you want to, you know, create a quality book, you would probably want to have an editor kind of take a look at it and give feedback on it and help you structure and organize it. So I, I kind of see our role as kind of being like an editor, but for online courses. So absolutely, it's possible to do it on your own. I think anybody can do it. Um, and everybody in their own way is a teacher. Uh -huh. um, you know, any role, there is some degree of teaching in it. Mm -hmm. it's now just kind of helping them know what they, helping them through what they already know. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I don't know why it is, but it seems like when you get, when you use the word course, you know, it's automatically tied to like a classroom setting and people just kind of like freeze and they're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> or they think it's, they think it's a lot harder than it really is. But really, like you said, with the right scaffolding and structure, I mean, it's really just plug and play, like, you know, yeah. put in, put in the elements and let's make it all, you know, you know, run smoothly. Yeah. I think part of the problem is, is we don't have a good base as to what, um, like online courses is a lot more like corporate training than it is yeah. like high school sort of thing. So it, it, it's, it, if people are thinking that their course is going to be like a lecture, then it can be certainly much more uh, intimidating. Whereas mm -hmm. if you think you're helping somebody learn what you already know as if they were one-on-one -on -one with you, then it's, I don't know, for me, it's a lot easier to get my head around that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we don't necessarily have the great, uh, have a great um, model to go by. Initially. Yeah. Because again, yeah. if you say a course, they're thinking, you know, lecture hall and and you know, a, a person droning on at the front, lecturing uh -huh. everybody, and and or they've even taken courses themselves that have been poorly designed and thought, oh gosh, I don't want to create something like that. Too. Yes, yeah, bad experience. You know, I I um 
I use this term in a very friendly, lighthearted way, but I kind of um, liken the on, the online course sector of the entrepreneurial world as kind of like the wild, wild west. Like, yeah. you know, in higher education or in education in general, there's, you know, very strict standards and guidelines. So we're making sure we're putting out quality. But, you know, when we get to, you know, um, you know, like anybody and everybody creating online courses, it can get kind of, you know, like you've got a range out there of, of quality. And so if you get you just happened to get into an online course that was a like a bad experience and that may, you know, <clears throat> tarnish your thought of creating your own online course. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and I think this is because it's pretty, I'm using air quotes here, easy to create an online course. Now it's all about the separating, you know, the cream is going to rise to the top uh -huh. in terms of knowing uh, of, of the good and the bad is going to get sorted out here. And so that's why, again, anybody and everybody can create an online course these days. So now it's going to come down to the quality of course. Yeah. And who's going to A, make it through your course and get the transformation or B, who's going to come back for more courses mm -hmm. that, hey, that you have to offer. You want to make sure that you have quality courses in place. Cause yeah, you can, you can totally do this, but you can do it really poorly or yeah. you can kind of do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk strategy. So what are some strategies um, on that you would recommend to someone that comes to you that hasn't created an online course, but they want to, like, what are some strategies that you use with them to help them just kind of get started with the online course creation process? Well, I always want to make sure that it's been validated, their idea has been validated. So again, it comes back to what is the outcome? And is this a real pain point that mm -hmm. Um, that your clients actually have. And so I, I you know, recommend my clients when they go through the validation process is, you know, number one, are people going online and searching for, you know, this particular topic? Like yeah. how do I, whatever. So number one, are they searching for it? And Google Analytics is a, is a great place to kind of get that kind of intel. And then I usually have my clients then, okay, well, you know, so people are going online to search for the topic. Is, there, is it a pain point that's big enough that they're willing to pay money? So then they can do a little bit of investigating to see if there's other courses out there. Mm -hmm. So again, you can go to the course marketplaces and see if other courses that, um, if, see if there's other courses out there that you want to teach around. So that gives you some insight. So people are going online and they're paying money for it. And right. then the next question is, is are they going online? Are they willing to pay for it? And are they willing to pay you? And so that's really then when you can go and survey your audience. Um, if you have an audience, mm -hmm. uh, you can go directly to them and say, you know, this is what's your biggest pain point when it comes to such and such. So you can really get some good insight. And if you don't have your own audience as much, then it's going finding where your target market is and mm -hmm. surveying them and seeing if they would be, if they're interested in a course like that. So that's really the first step is making sure that, you know, because there's a lot of work putting a course together. So you yeah. want to be sure that people are willing to buy it yes. um, before you get started. And, you know, doing a bit of research and validation at the beginning is always where I recommend people starting at mm -hmm. in, terms of, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of their strategy. And, you know, as they're doing this investigation, they're going to find some great intel of what, 
they can add to the course. They're going to find some great intel of what questions are being asked. They're going to find some great intel about what problems or where, you know, if they've taken other courses where, you know, they've struggled before. So a lot of really good content comes up from doing this research at the beginning. And I think it's also important to, to know what, like, I don't want to use the word necessarily competitors, but to know what else is out there in the market um, uh, on the same topic. And um, because I think that also, um, you know, knowing your audience and knowing the transformation that you can offer them and also knowing like, like your differentiator, like what, you know, why should they come to you over the other guys? Um, in that transformation, you know, like what is the cost of them not coming to you, um, and going to someone else? So I think that's, I think that's important to do that as a first step before we ever even get started. Cause a lot of times, like you said, and I've been guilty of this myself, like we put all this energy into creating our product or course or whatever, and then we go to market and it's like crickets and it's like, yeah. wait a minute, I didn't even, I didn't even pay attention to anybody wanted this. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then the problem is, is it's a hard, like it's a, it's not an easy step, like people wanting to get right into the content or, you uh-huh. know, or they, they think it's a great idea, you know, yes. oh my gosh, this is t- such a good idea. I totally need to create a course around it without saying, okay. <laughs> Is it a good idea for my audience? Yes, yes. You know, I was just, today I was just working on materials um, for Inside the Academy for when it launches and and on the topic of, you know, understanding your market and like, you know, understanding your, your UVP, your, um, your differentiator. um, There, I, I came across, I've seen it before. It's like a Venn diagram and it's basically like, over here is what you want. Here's, this is what I want to do. And he over here is what your audience wants to do. Now let's just overlap them a little bit. And that little connecting part in the middle, like create something right there, yeah. you know, cause then it's kind of like a compromise. Um, because yes, we like, sometimes we so wholeheartedly don't want to like give up on what we want to do. Yeah. Um, but, but in reality, it all comes down to what, what does your audience want? Yeah. And that research and, and, or the, you know, the validation at the beginning, like it just, it will just save so much time and headache down the road, especially because you get, when you're creating a course, you get emotionally attached to it, right? Yes. So the blinders go up and sometimes you are, you kind of lose sight of maybe your audience or what have you. So doing that research at the beginning really helps you get inside the head of the audience and so that you can really address the pain points that they mm-hmm. that they have and the questions that they have and even how they say it. Um, you can get really good information from that perspective. Yes. Yeah. Speak in their language. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, what is your, okay. I'm, I asked the same question, but with a little twist, depending on who my guest is, but what is your best piece of advice to someone who wants to create their first online course um, to compliment, um, like, let's say they already have a blog, a product or services, and now they want to expand. They want to create their first online course. Like what's your best piece of advice to someone who wants to create their, their first course, but they're not sure where to start. Um, don't overthink it. <laughs> right. Like, seriously, just do it. Cause yes. there's the whole um, logistical, how do I create a course? But then there's the whole mental aspect to it. And there's so many people that wait to make sure that they've got it all figured out, that they know all the technology, like they know every single itty bitty nuance of creating a course before they even start. And that's just fear Uh disguised. Um, And I think with creating a course, you just need to 
do it. Yes. <laughs> you just you know, it's get, so true. You just need hey. to start. And it's, it's the whole thing about the beauty about online courses is they can be changed. Yes. You know, you they can, can evolve. Exactly. Yes. You can replace, you can delete, you can edit. So just get it out there and be sensitive to and aware of say questions or notice when people are dropping off or anything like that. Yes. Everything can be fixed. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. Online courses are not like a book that goes out there. It, it, they can be changed. So don't be afraid of making mistakes. Just get started. Yes. Um, and, and don't feel like you have to know everything because it will come in time. So that's, yep. that's pretty my, my best advice is, is like, what is holding you back from starting today? And usually it's fear based. And so it's just a, be, being okay with making mistakes and it doesn't have to be perfect and everything is editable. Yes. <laughs> it's not advice. like you're, you're creating a physical product and you have all this inventory and then you realize like there's a malfunction and you just lost. I mean, like, I mean, even in higher education, like we put a course out there and if we find something's not working you know, fairly quickly, we, it gets revised and we push the new one out there. I mean, with an online course, you can, you can edit and tweak as you go. And so, yeah, um, it's so, I'm, I am the queen of overthinking <laughs> in everything I do, I think. But, um, yeah, it's cause you want to get everything just right and just perfect. And you can spend so much time like, no, this should be here. No, this should be there. No, I should need to, I need to cover this. Okay. No, I don't. And in reality, it's just you know, like you said, like, make sure you've got a quality, like go through the process, obviously, of, of making sure you have a quality course um, that you, you know, you have those set outcomes, you have um, activities within the course that are all tied back to that outcome some way, shape or form, and then just put it out there because then you can, you know, like you said, do your evaluation. Um, that's actually the third um the third phase of the academy when it launches, when it launches is evaluating you know, your right. course effort launches, like what, right. what's, how did that go? Like what worked well? What isn't like, what, what didn't, like you mentioned, like where, where are your students falling off or not, 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 um, you know, proceeding in the course, you know, when, where do they have problems with the navigation? Where do they, you have a lot of questions about, you know, one specific activity, like obviously that, you know, that may be a problem with the activity or the directions or something. So yeah. Like, yeah, I would agree. Just get started. Yeah. Or, or, or pick a date and tell people when you're launching. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in that one right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause there's nothing like getting a fire under your butt when, if you've committed to putting it out there. So maybe that's kind of the first step. And then you like everything as you know, Marie Forleo says, everything's figure outable. Like you will yes. get so, but it's, it's the, it's easy to not build a course. Um, uh -huh. so again, it's kind of keeping the vision as to why you, why you're wanting to put it together. What is, you know, how does this going to fit in your whole business? You know, how is your life going to be different if you're able to create a course that's successful and, and then just do it, put the mm -hmm. date out there and just do it. And just do it. <laughs> All right. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, tell the listeners where they can find you. Um, well, I have, uh, you can visit me at uh, thecoursewhisperer.co. Um, I'm also on Facebook at uh, The Course Whisperer. You should be able to find me. Um, yeah, and I will, I'll include links to the show in, in the show notes to all of your uh, sites as well. That would be perfect. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was very good to talk to you. Um, I love talking online course design because I, know. I, I could just geek out on the, <laughs> on the, on the instructional design aspect of online course design, um, all night long, but I won't keep you any longer, but thank you so much for joining, um, me. And I hope that, you know, those, those that are listening that have been wanting to create an online course are maybe like walking away, realizing it's not as scary as you know, they may think it is and that, that they can create a quality online course that can complement um, their current business. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, guys. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cindy all about online courses. As we mentioned, you can reach Cindy at thecoursewhisperer.co, which that direct link will be included in the show notes. And if you want to go ahead and get started creating your first online course, you can jump in our Facebook group at www.wanderlessandwellness.org forward slash Facebook group. And you can get started uh, with creating your online course while we are waiting for the Blogger to Course Creator Academy to open. And you can also download our free five-step checklist that will take you from course idea to course framework at www.wanderlessandwellness.org forward slash blogger to course creator. And those links are also in the show notes, as well as if you go to our podcast webpage, where you can find all of the this episode, plus all of the past episodes, um, you will find links to those resources there as well, as well at www.wanderlessandwellness.org forward slash podcast. You've been listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and subscribe to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast to enjoy all of our upcoming episodes. And while you're there, go ahead and drop us a review. And be sure to follow Wanderlust and Wellness at www.wanderlustandwellness.org or jump on our mailing list to get instant access to all of our recipes, Wanderlust tips, and resources on how you can take your blog to the next level with online courses at www.wanderlessandwellness.org forward slash email. And speaking of blogging, if you're ready to stop worrying about page views and ad revenue and start creating a profitable online course that will complement your current blog content and bring in revenue, then join our Blogger to Course Creator Facebook group at www.wanderlessandwellness.org forward slash blogger to course creator. Please note that I am not a registered dietitian or a medical professional. The views I express are mine alone based on my own experiences and should not be taken as medical advice. Please speak with a medical professional before making any changes to your current routine.